to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another Core Parenting Conversation. And it is February, which means we are focusing on connection this month. I always love structuring my contents each year like this. The first part of the year, first month, we talk about regulation because that's just really such a powerful foundation, mostly starting with ourselves. And then we move into connection because so much of parenting struggles gets easier when we really lean into connecting with ourselves, connecting with our child and focusing on that relationship. And then the next month, we're going to shift into common behavior. Even though next week, we're going to talk about whining, but we're going to do it through the lens of connection. So to kick us off, I'm going to start with a trigger behavior that has come up in core my core membership group, as well as social media a lot the last month or so. And that is baby talk, especially when our older kids start talking like a baby or doing baby things. Maybe you've just had a new baby introduced in your family or you're pregnant and all of a sudden your quote unquote big kid has started to go back to some of these baby behaviors, and it can often be pretty triggering for parents. So we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to tell you some tips that I've used and also help you understand it a little better so maybe it's not quite as big of a trigger for you because this is certainly something that is pretty common throughout early childhood. As I prepped for this podcast, I actually, I went back into my content archives to just see what I've written about it in the past. And I found a post from 2020 and it was late spring, early summer, 2020. So it was in the midst of COVID lockdowns. And in Florida, we were still locked down at that time. The kids weren't in school. We were both working from home or trying to work from home, right? There were just a lot of huge changes in everyone's life. And the first paragraph stated, I just, I want to quote it because it was almost like going into a time machine. It was really, it was a bizarre experience to look back on it. This question and topic has exponentially increased during the first month of the pandemic. And I thought to myself, wow, how telling. None of us knew what was going on, right? Nobody really knew that much about COVID, including the experts. Our world had dramatically changed in ways that none of us had ever seen before, including our children. And even if our children were young enough to not really be super aware of it, their life was somehow impacted because our lives as parents were somehow impacted. 
And when children, when people go through big changes, big transitions, we want to find a way to find safety and security. And for children, that often means returning to a time where they felt super safe and secure and cared for, and that is baby. (laughs) So baby talk or helplessness, like I can't do it, I want you to do it, is typically a child waving a white flag is how I like to think of it. It's a signal that they need some reassurance. They need some connection. So they instinctually return to a time when they felt extremely supported and closely connected to us. And this helplessness or baby behavior from our big kids, and I'm putting big kids in air quotes because we often see this in three, four, five, six-year-olds. So they're not that big, (laughs) relatively speaking, but they may seem really big if you're comparing them to an infant or a toddler. And this can be extremely triggering to us for a few different reasons. We tend to launch into these scripts of, they know how to do this. I shouldn't have to do this anymore. They're too big to act this way. Or I know for me often, even though I know all these things, it can still trigger me every now and then because I'm already in a state of overwhelm and I feel like my children going back to a time where they were more helpless, they need my help more actually triggers me because it adds to my overwhelm. Okay, so it could be any number of these things that are going on with us. Here's the thing though, the more we try and convince them that they don't need to be a baby or convince them that they're actually a big kid, the harder they will push back. Remember, they're leaning in to getting this underlying need met. So if we don't get the message the first time, chances are they're going to up the ante. (laughs) Lucky. (laughs) Right? Kids are, they're just incredible that way and how they are so persistent and instinctual to get these needs met. So this is why I like to reframe it as a white flag. This behavior isn't personal. Our child isn't trying to make our life more difficult or manipulate us. They're literally asking for some reassurance and connection, which one of the first and most powerful things we can do before we connect with our child is regulate ourselves, right? And that's why we spent all last month talking about regulation and different ways to help ourselves and help our children. So instead of saying things like, come on, be a big kid or big kids don't do that or you're not a baby anymore. Instead of saying things like that, I encourage parents to go above and beyond with some overdramatic play, baby play. Once we slow down and take a breath and mentally like do the mindset shift, okay, this is the white flag. This isn't them trying to make life more difficult. Then we can lean in to the baby talk. Before we go any further, I want to address the fear. There are fear scripts in parents that if we indulge this baby behavior in our big kids, they'll never do things themselves or they'll always think that I'll do this for them or they'll never become independent. They'll never grow mature. And 
especially in the U.S., there's this really strong core value and belief culturally. And it is really cultural because if you go outside of any sort of other culture, even within America, oftentimes children are what we would consider babied (laughs) by caregivers. And it's just a different way of child rearing, a different cultural experience in child rearing. So our fear that if we help our kids put their shoes on today, they'll never do it by themselves or they'll become dependent for the rest of their lives, it's really unfounded. We can't project their current state at five years old, their current willingness to put on their own shoes to when they're 25 years old. Eventually, children get to an age and stage or a place where they feel safe and secure. I I call this, we're building this launching pad, okay? We've got to build this really strong foundation for them, and that's what they launch out of to take off into their own independence, into their own person, sense of self, and they will naturally develop this as we nurture and love and grow and strengthen that foundation. So interrupt the scripts and embrace the baby. In fact, baby games are one example of what I call high power connection activities. These are like supercharged cup fillers that create strong connection, aka strong energy, between us and our child and really fill their cups. For a more in-depth conversation about connection and what it is and, and what it's not, you can head all the way back to episode 19, which is three tips for building strong connection with our children. That might be insightful if this is a new concept totally for you. But what are some different components of an activity that creates a high power connection moment? Conscious discipline teaches the ingredients as being presence, touch, eye contact, and a playful situation. I like to take that definition and lean into playful situations that are even more powerful because they activate some really strong energy, strong connection between us and our children. So I call them, you know, the high power connection. They're a bigger bang for your buck. And the reason why I developed these is when I started working with parents and started telling them the importance of connection, the importance of being present with your child, I found that a lot of parents, especially in homes where there's two parents working outside of the home or maybe there's more than one or two children, it's very difficult to manage finding that time and energy for each individual child daily, that if we can embed these moments into our routine and just make it our way of doing things, we can create these moments efficiently and meaningfully with our children. So we can add this strong energy through things like laughter and suspense. The eye contact is warm, soft eyes, like when you were a teenager and you spotted your crush across the room. These create that strong connection and release bonding hormones in the brain that release these warm fuzzies, aka fill the bucket. So What do baby games look like? I'm going to jump into some examples. You may want to jot them down. Or what's really cool is when I start talking to parents about these games in particular, they'll say, oh my gosh, I do something like that with my child already. And they melt when I do it. So my goal is maybe I'm going to give you some new tools and some new things to try out. Maybe I'm just going to highlight and draw attention to something you already do, and now you can just do it more intentionally and embed it throughout your routine 
like getting dressed in the morning, waking up or going to bed so that you can do it with intention and on a regular basis. The Get Silly Challenge is coming. If you feel like simple daily routines are exhausting and frustrating for you and your child, or if you feel disconnected from your child because all you do all day is manage the schedule and feel like you're barking orders at them, then this challenge is for you. It's a seven-day program that teaches you simple techniques to embed into your daily routine to make the mundane activities fun, cup filling, and connecting, which will reduce frustration and increase cooperation. I developed this program after I found myself getting burned out with all the daily routines and felt like I wasn't actually enjoying spending time with my kids. I needed a reminder to implement all the brain-based strategies I teach to parents. This challenge includes a workbook with examples and ideas for implementation, five daily lives inside a private group to answer your questions, give you more fun examples, and encourage you. You'll also get a daily email with reminders, games, tips, and more to keep you motivated. If you're a member of the core community, you're automatically enrolled. My goal for you with this challenge is not to add anything to your to-do list, but transform it with connection, fun, and enjoy parenting again. For more information on the Get Silly Challenge or to join the core community and gain access to this challenge and so much more, head to the show notes for the link. And now back to this core conversation. Okay, so one of the things I love to do is just rocking my children, swaddling them up like a baby in a blanket. (laughs) And if they're young enough or light enough, and you can still pick them up, pick them up and hold them like a baby and maybe sway and sing a lullaby. I do this. Well, I finally had to stop doing it actually with my kiddos now being six months pregnant and with a five and an eight-year-old. I can't really do it so much anymore. But up until super recently with my five-year-olds, not my eight-year-old because he's a little too heavy now, I would pick them up. I would get them out of the tub, wrap them up with a towel and pick them up in their towel, swaddled like a baby. And I would even say, oh, look at my baby. Let's go sing rockabye baby. And I'd take them into their bedroom, swaddled in the towel, and I would sing rockabye baby. And I would add some suspense in that because when the wind blows, the cradle will rock. And when the cradle comes crashing down, I would drop them on their bed. And it would, first of all, they'd melt into me when I was carrying them swaddled like a baby. And then it would erupt with laughter when I dropped them on the bed. So looking for things like that, even at bedtime, maybe you have, you know, they have a special blankie or they have an extra blanket in their bed and you can swaddle them up in their bed and tuck them in that way really dramatically like a baby uh, before you read stories. Another one I like to do is let's just talk about fake crying because I would definitely put fake crying, quote unquote, under the same umbrella. And there really is no such thing as fake crying. Like when a kid starts, you feel, you see your child start forcing these tears. They really are slowly letting out some built up emotion and they might even be signaling for a need for something like this. 
So when they pretend to, uh, <laughs> you know, one of those things, I might pick them up and just start talking to them in motherese, which is how we tend to naturally talk to babies. Like, oh, sweet little baby, you're so sad. Come here, little baby. Let me hold you. Let me rock you. And kind of lean into that. And so that's giving them permission to either release what they're hanging on to or snuggle into you and really recharge and get what they need. I actually did something a little different like this. Uh, We were out in public. So we were at the gym and in front of everybody. Okay. So (laughs) nothing like your kid laying down on the floor, refusing to put on their shoes to leave. And you have an audience of at least 30, 40 people, right? So, and a class is about to start. So any disruption is going to be really disruptive to the class. And he did not want to leave. He didn't want to put his shoes on. He didn't want to move. And so I kind of, and he was doing the whole whiny kind of fake crying thing. And so I leaned in and I did the motherese. I did the high pitch. I said, oh, look at my baby. He needs help putting his shoes on. Oh, that's right, little baby. You can't put your shoes on by yourself. You need mommy to do it. Come here. Mommy's going to help you put on your shoes. And I put on one shoe acting like, oh, look at this cute little baby shoe, even though they're a size 12. (laughs) They're not little baby shoes. And I got one shoe on him and I went to put the other shoe on. They were high tops. They're really tricky to get on. And I legitimately couldn't get this second shoe on. I needed his help to do it. And by the time I asked him to help, oh, baby, can you help me get this shoe on? I'm having trouble with this one. He was laughing hysterically, which meant I was laughing hysterically. He was willing to put his own shoe on by himself. He stood up and he walked out in a great mood. And so just... I know it's so annoying (laughs) to put on your kid's shoe when like he's five. He's been putting on his own shoes and socks for a long time now. But just that leaning in and getting started and making it playful and filling his cup was enough to refortify that foundation, that launching pad so that he can jump and engage in those skills independently. And I did it through strong connection so that we had a much easier, more cooperative evening. It could have been gone a very different way, right? It could have been a show. I could have carried him out, struggled to carry him out of the gym, causing a show. So that's just one example of how you can really kind of lean in and incorporate that. Another thing I really like to do is look at baby books. So these are just photo books. I print them out. I use chat books because it's (laughs) the easiest photo app and photo sharing. You can share it with other people that I have found and they make really great products. It's really simple to use. So I just open my photo app. I pick what I want and chat books, dates and orders, like puts the pictures in order and then I can write captions if I want. So I have a code you can use if it's your first time with chat books for 20% off. You can use Kaylee, my name, C-A-L-E-Y and you get 20% off your first order and I'll link that in your show notes. But the reason why I like having baby books easily accessible to your children is because it can be really empowering for them to go and look at them independently. When they really feel like they need that, I keep all of these kind of on a special place on my kid's shelf in their room. 
And I often find that in the morning, if they wake up first or at night, that's what they want to read, especially after, you know, maybe a more stressful day for them. And it's so sweet because they'll ask me questions, ask me to sit and read with them. The other part that I really like about these photo books, instead of And we'll talk about looking at pictures on your phone because that's fine too. But the reason why I like also having the photo book option is there's something really powerful about children having this tangible object that's all theirs. It's all about them. It represents them. And side note, the teacher in me loves the great pre-literacy skills that are promoted through just holding a book, knowing how to turn a page, reading from left to right. So this book behavior and then quote unquote reading stories. So the pictures tell the story and they can see this chronological story taking place right before their eyes. They can even start reading names. If you label you know, certain relatives or their name, they can start recognizing those names. And so it's really just a really powerful conversation that I think is a great option to have available in your home. Along the same lines of these picture books is telling your child stories about when they were a baby. So we don't need a book or pictures to do this. We can just keep it simple and light. And I like to do this when we're sitting next to each other or I'll even invite my eight-year-old to sit on my lap and kind of try and hold him like a baby. Sometimes he goes for it. Sometimes he doesn't. (laughs) But if he really needs it, right, he'll do it. And then when he's sitting there, I'll say something simple. Like if the fan is on and we're kind of, I notice it's on, I'll say, gosh, when you were a baby, you loved watching the fans on the ceiling. Before you could roll over, I would put you on my bed while I was like getting dressed and you would lay there and you just watch the fan go round and round until you'd start laughing at it. And of course, now that he's eight, right, he thinks this is silly. Like, why would he think that a fan is funny? But he soaks it in. He'll ask questions about himself. He'll want to hear more stories. So it can be a really sweet, simple bonding experience. And we do this too while looking at, you know, pictures on our phone or videos on our phone. They like to know the context of the video, who was there, what they were doing. And I always try and highlight, you know, what they were like during that baby or toddler age. So these are great ways to incorporate playful tension breakers, to use baby games as playful tension breakers during times of stress. If they seem particularly whiny or on a day that we just feel at odds, sometimes I'll pick them up and I'll ask them to or sit on my lap And I'll have them lean on my chest like they did when they were a baby and I'll sway side to side. I can still pick my five-year-old up and do this. My eight-year-old's a little more challenging, so I'm usually sitting down. But it's amazing how if they really need it, they'll lean in, they'll put their head on my chest. And this is a great time to incorporate what's called hug until release, which means I hug them until they let go. And I'll typically hear a sigh or a big exhale right before or right when they let go. This is an indicator that a stress cycle has been completed, which essentially means that the body has gone hormonal state of hypervigilance, okay? So the stress hormones are pumping through the body to 
less stress hormones, that hypervigilance has decreased and the body has maybe like used up those hormones, completed the stress cycle and can be more relaxed. The bonus of this whole thing of doing this with our children, of joining them in these little games, in the routine, laughing with them, snuggling with them, hugging until release with them, getting that big exhale we need, that's helping us complete those stress cycles too. So often when you do these simple little games and strategies, you'll feel the energy between both of you shift. And you'll notice all of the games that I mentioned today, all of the little baby games like the swaddling up, the swaying side to side, us giving the baby talk, the motherese back to our child, all of those things, the examples I gave were embedded in the routine. You know, I did it while I was helping my child put on their shoes. I did the swaddling when it was time to get out of the tub. Oftentimes, you know, when a kiddo will walk into the kitchen and want to hear these air quotes again, help me (laughs) in the kitchen, you know, I'll pick up my five-year-old and I'll do the hug until release and I'll sway side to side just to kind of check in with one another. Those are all embedded. It's not like I'm having to find 30 extra minutes throughout the day. These are just things I incorporate into our daily routine. Maybe the only extra are the baby books or the telling of stories, but those are such beautiful, sweet, quick moments. And in fact, my children have been initiating them. They know how to turn on the like photo app, stream it through our TV. So some mornings they want to get up and they don't ask to watch a show. That's just never been a part of our routine, but they'll ask to watch the pictures. And so the photo app automatically generates pictures from our streaming, our photo streaming app, and they'll slide across and they love it when either my husband or myself sit with them and watch the pictures with them and tell them stories. Because a lot of these pictures are of trips we've previously taken or when our kids were babies, other relatives, they love hearing that stuff. And it's so powerful for children, not just for the quality of the high power connection we're giving them, but also because it's such an important part of their sense of self that they're developing that is so rapidly developing throughout early childhood. It's just... I cannot encourage these enough. This podcast, I've just been so excited to share this information with you all. So if you want to learn more about embedding these simple play games like baby games, but I've got other ones too, into your daily routine to increase connection and decrease frustration and power struggles, join us. Join the core community members. You don't have to be a member to sign up for the Get Silly Challenge that is starting next week. I've linked it in the bio or in the show notes. You can go down there and you can click and you can sign up. It's seven days. You get daily emails. You get a workbook. You get tons of examples like the ones that I just shared with you on this podcast to really help you just do it more intentionally. And like I said, you may be listening to some of these things going, oh my gosh, I already do that. I had a mom one time say, you know, my child always wants me. They still had the rocking chair in the kid's room, even though she was like three. And she had a new baby brother. And she goes, my daughter requests to rock with me before we start bedtime stories every night after bedtime. And she melts into me when I rock her. And I never realized 
this is probably what she's doing. And I said, that's exactly what she's doing. Isn't it amazing how instinctual our children are and how strong our connection can be when we just lean in and trust them and trust ourselves and follow their lead. Anyway, let's get back on track. Thanks so much for being here. If this was helpful for you, please leave a rating or review or share with a friend, especially if you have any mamas who are expecting or just had a new baby and have older siblings. This information is seriously a lifesaver when you're going through that big life transition in your home. All of these things, such as sharing, rating, reviewing, help share the message of the power of relationships and centering our parent in them, which is the core. Have a wonderful week, y'all.